faith is not static. It is a constantly moving current, pulling you towards the arms of Jesus, washing us clean of the stains of our mess, easing the weight of our past disappointments. We will rise out of the water, made new, and those that see will know we've been with Jesus. We are called to bless those around us, to raise up the new generation of the church, to go outside the limits of the church building, into the community, and share the promise of Jesus. Good morning, everybody. That was nice. We're going to get started with worship, so go ahead and stand up. God, we just know that we, uh, we walk through these doors with, with our own baggage, with our own opinions really our own walls that we've set up to, to meet with you. And God, we don't want that. We want to we wanna worship you with all our hearts. We want to worship you with all of our passion. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that those walls would come down right now. We'd be able to focus on your, your presence and your face. God, help us do that now.
spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit
behind his back. We don't serve a God who's unwilling to come to our aid. We don't have a God who's annoyed with us or angry with us, but he is running to you this morning, that you came to the right place, that we have a God with the heart of a father who sees us as his daughters and his sons. He loves us, that he didn't come empty-handed today, and so we can ask in faith for the things that we long for, that we need. Maybe there's something in your way this morning that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't get points for not asking, that God wants us to come in faith. And some of you today, you might be coming in with a heaviness that something might have followed you in here this morning. And I just wanna encourage you, if that's you this morning, just take a seat. That when God looks at us this morning, he doesn't even see a bunch of individuals, he sees us as one body, that we are called to pray for each other and be there for each other. And so if that's you this morning, just take a seat. And don't be surprised if, if someone else comes and extends a hand towards you that we pray for each other as the church, amen? And so let's do that today. God, we look to you today that you are our help, that our help doesn't come from anywhere else, that we ultimately look to you and we affirm that you are all powerful, that you are all loving and that you are good, that you don't withhold good things from those called to your purpose, that you see us as your beloved daughters and your beloved sons, that you want to help us this morning, that you want to meet us this morning. So God, I just pray that you would give us courage to seek you wholeheartedly, not holding anything back. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would change each one of us, that we would walk out of whatever room that we're indifferent than when we walked in. And God, we don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for this hurting and broken world that, that we're a part of, that you created, that you're wanting us to go be your hands and feet in broken situations. And, and that doesn't just mean all shores, but that's your church across the globe. And specifically this morning, we pray for Watermark over in Grand Haven. God, would your anointing be upon them as a church? Would you continue to, to raise them up, to reach people for Jesus? God, we also pray for the Reynolds who are across the world in, in Thailand. And God, we just pray there are people who are coming to Christ because of their presence there. And Holy Spirit, you're moving in incredible ways. Would you continue to empower your people to spread your good news? God, we pray for our own hearts. Would you make them soft this morning? Would you open up our minds to the word that you have for us today? We affirm that you are good, that we love you. And so we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And somebody said, amen and amen. Well, you can take a seat, Spring Lake. We're so glad that you're here. 
I do want to give a shout out to our Coopersville campus, our Muskegon campus, all of you who are watching online. Come on, Spring Lake, can you show some love to your church family? We love you. So glad you're joining us. We hope you're having a great time. You picked a great day to be in church. We are finishing up our series, Tempted. And so that's, we're gonna get into that in a moment, but I just wanna welcome our guests. We're so excited that you're here this morning. We just wanna say thanks for choosing to spend a part of your weekend with us. We would love to connect with you and, and help you take a next step if that's what you wanna do. The best way to do that is through our connection card and the, the house lights are gonna come up. There's a QR code in the seat back in front of you. And you can actually take your phone out and you can um, scan that QR code. It'll take you to our connection card or you can always go to allshores.org and there's a button on there that says connect with us. Whatever, um, however long you've been coming, we would love to help you take a next step. Um, we also have the journey going on every week. This is the fourth Sunday of the month. The journey is the best next step to get plugged into our church. Whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been here for decades, if you're wanting to take steps, the journey is the best way to do that. And step four is happening right now, right behind me. Um, step one usually happens the first Sunday of the month. It will not happen the first Sunday of next month because we're all coming together for United Sunday that there will be one 10 o'clock service. There won't be a nine or 11 here at Spring Lake. We'll, t we'll tell you more about that um, through video. But I just wanna say, man, we'll kick off, we'll push step one to the second Sunday of the month and keep going there in July. This is also the time of the service where we give back to God. And we recognize that just as much as singing or praying or opening up God's word, that, uh, that our giving, our offering is an act of worship. And so we just wanna say thank, thank you to those of you who, who join us in that, who, giving back to God. The ways to give should be on the screen behind me. There's also a, a couple boxes in the lobby as you leave, but we just wanna say thank you. What you do, what, what we all do is so much more than any one of us could do alone. Well, we have a great rest of our service planned for you today. Let's turn our eyes to the screen for what comes next. here. Hm, whatever. Front row parking. Nice. Doo, 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 doo. Huh. Why is the door locked? What time is it? Hello? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, uh, my body. Walking was a bad choice. Is everyone? Maybe I'm the first one here. Hmm. That's weird. The door never feels like this when I pull it.
test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here in our Spring Lake campus. In just a few minutes here, I'll invite you to pray before we open the scriptures and are in our final week on this series we've titled Tempted. Uh, I want to just highlight a couple of things before we do that. One is you have just seen the video about what's called the Global Leadership Summit. It is a two-day leadership event. And one of our reasons for hosting this in Passions is that we want to contribute to the communities around us to best infuse healthy, inspiring, moving ahead leadership. And what we found every time we have this event that we host it is our marketplace leaders find it significant, our educators find it that way, people who lead in nonprofits, people who are leading themselves in their own lives, singles and marrieds, there's something for everyone. So we wanna be encouraging you to engage in it, to sign up and be a part of it. And also want you to invite your friends, like your, the places you work. Our whole point of doing this is to help our community. So we want to remind you of that. There's more information on our website about that. And then you saw that we are, next weekend, we'll be at 10 o'clock instead of 11. Now, I know for you here, you're like, oh, I can't believe I got to get up an hour earlier. Get up, all right? It'll be great. And I want to point out one thing from the video. I don't know if you noticed, that was Justin, our technical director, who fell. Did you hear him fall? And you might have thought that was all planned, and I think it was. But what you don't know is he dislocated his rib when he did that. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, you're obviously much more compassionate than me. When I heard it, was like, <laughs> but I'm not feeling his pain. So we have been doing training with him on how to fall and not dislocate a rib. Uh, no, actually, we're grateful, and we'll let you know in the future no staff will be harmed in any videos that we do. I want to invite you to pray in the quiet. Uh, we believe that when we open the scriptures, it's about revelation, not about information or persuasion. So... Wherever you are in your posture towards God, be honest about that. From doubt and struggle to full-on commitment to commitment with disparity to growing, just tell him, this is where I am, meet me today, and then I'll pray for us as well. Lord, I thank you that uh, helping people today is not left to me, but that you move and you speak. And so I just claim dependence, needing you to speak today. Lord, anything that I'm doing on my own or trying to say on my own or that's confusing, let it fall to the ground. Let it be forgotten. But I'm asking that whatever is from you, that you would make yourself known to each person. Display and let them know of your love, your desire your holiness, your goodness, and let us draw closer to you, both collectively and individually. Lord, I ask the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen. So I want to say the name uh, Andrea Del Verruccio. If I say it, I would doubt most of us would know that unless you had an art history class and actually cared. We've all had art history classes we didn't care about, right? Well, Andrea uniquely was a painter at the time of the Renaissance and does have a work that he's well known for. 
This work is the baptism of Christ. It is a, a beautiful portrayal of Jesus being baptized, which happens in the wilderness, which happens as the first act of Matthew's account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And I'm always amazed. I don't know if you had this, you hear about painters, and some of you may actually really pay attention. I'm one that often glossed over, but I'm amazed at the detail and depth of what painters went through to find the meaning of a scene or a moment. So in this particular one, there's much for us to see. There's Jesus' humanity, even in kind of the barely clothed, the, the humanness of him in the water, the serving nature, and yet also the glow over him, the divine of who he is, the beauty of the Father. Those are the Father's hands pouring out, and the Holy Spirit is the dove. It's the idea that we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this moment, this sacred moment, and Jesus in his humility is being baptized by John. Now, there's something on a side note of this beautiful image you may not know, which is that da Vinci was one of uh, the man I mentioned earlier, Andre's uh, students. So he was mentored by him. And da Vinci helped to paint one of these angels so much so in the background that many noticed what a greater painter he was than the master he was under. To such a degree that the man who did this never painted again, it's said of him. In other words, he was so taken by da Vinci's skill and prowess, he said, I could never be that. In a sense, da Vinci was elevated and won, and da Vinci was discounted and lost. Because in life, we often think you win or you lose. It's about our drive and our ambition and what we get, and not who we are if it's not enough. It's a side story, and it's not even central, other than we're going to come back to it as we look at temptation. But I thought it was fascinating to discover this image of it. Now, what you may not see, and during the Renaissance, they weren't offering considering. Paintings often miss things, too. Jesus came as a Jew. Jesus came to the earth as a Jew. He came to the earth to be a, an answer, not just to humanity, but even for the Jewish people. And he came in his humanity. God became a man. God became a servant. So Jesus' baptism is the very image Matthew's giving us, and each of the gospel accounts tell this, of Jesus entering into as a servant, as one who would suffer and one who would walk with his brothers and sisters, not only in humanity, but in the life of Israel. And in case you don't know, the life of Israel by this time had failed. And so this is important to understand. Jesus is entering in where humanity has struggled and failed to bring a new reality. So that's the image of the baptism. And it's in a serving way. Remember, he's being, in case you don't know, he's being baptized out of repentance. He doesn't have sin. He's entering in it on behalf of us. And that's an important part of this journey, even as we look at temptation, that God enters into the life and struggles of us and understands them, but also provides a way through them. And so we begin this. We told this in week one that the Father says, this is my son whom I'm pleased. Listen to him. And the reality that the Father shows his pleasure in the Son before the Son carries out any of his missional ministry, the idea that the Father looks at the Son with who he is, not what he does. And much of our tempting lives are things we're trying to remedy by doing more to be more. So we're going to enter into this third one. And in case you haven't been here, this is how it moves from the baptism. It says, then Jesus, in Matthew's account, was led by the Spirit, the very presence of God, to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I want you to understand that means that God the Spirit took God the Son out into the wilderness in order to endure what all of us do in life, temptation. Just let me stop. Show of hands, have you ever been tempted 
to do something you shouldn't or think something you shouldn't or, yes, and if you haven't, you're a liar. <laughs> so we've talked about this each week. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which I always find that so interesting. You know, day 39, he was like, eh, yeah, I'm doing all right. Day 38, doing all right. Day 40, he's like, hmm, I'm hungry. That's not what that means. It means he let his appetite go to feed on and discover even in this humanity of the Father. So it's an issue. And what we talked about in week one, I just want to remind us of, is you and I need to find places to slow down our own places of wilderness. That's where we see what's actually inside us. So every one of these temptations is allowing Jesus to look inside, really, the very humanity he's a part of. And it allows us to do the same. So one of the things we began in week one was, if you don't give yourself space and time to actually be self-reflective, and to face what's inside of you, which in our culture we don't do very often, right? We keep the noise going. We do everything we can to be overstimulated and overfixated on everything around us. So I want to remind you, this is all about us in temptation, allowing ourselves to look at what's inside of us. Now from there, we're just going to move to the final one. We, you can go back. I went through the first week. Thad did an amazing job last week on the second one. And we take the final one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And then this final statement, and their splendor. In other words, Jesus, we don't know if it was mystically, we don't know how he saw it, if it was literal, but he not only saw the kingdoms of the world, he saw what their glory was. In other words, what was amazing about each one. He saw what he would want, what would be tempting that we all see. Have you ever seen something and you want more of it and you go, Man, I see what that is. I got to have that. I love this. I want that. That's what the devil is showing him. Now, there is a story that this bridges for us in the scriptures that helps us understand it in this final temptation. It's a story of Moses when he's with Israel. They're out in the wilderness themselves. And God takes him up to a mountain to see what the promised land will be. In other words, he lets Moses see what it's going to look like when Israel finally gets to enter into the destiny God has made for them. Moses won't get to enter it, but he sees it. And it's not long after that, Moses gives a caution to Israel. He says, listen, when you get to this promised land, this is in Deuteronomy, you're going to think you accomplished, this is yours. In other words, it's your kingdom and your way that happened. You're going to forget, don't forget, that it's God who even gives you the opportunity to make and create and accomplish. In other words, you're dependent on him. And you're going to be really tempted to think it's about you. Now, this is going to inform the temptation to us because we all understand we have temptations like this. Now, you may be saying, well, I don't, I, I don't have a kingdom. Any, anybody here have a kingdom? Please don't look and say, of course I do. We, we don't understand kingdoms. We don't even have that much land. But we make things our own kingdom, don't we? Yes, I, you're like, welcome to my kingdom. I have, a, I have a yard, a yard that's watered, finely groomed. I turn to my serving children and say, son, you, thou needs to trim the yard. Son, use the edging properly. And if it's not properly, off with your head. Because this is my kingdom. We do it with lots of things, don't we? This is mine. Look what I have. My kingdom, my house, my boat. Have you seen my boat? My boat is the boat of a king. My car, have you seen my car? My car is the car of a king. Now, I don't have a king of much of anything. The closest I come to it is I do have a 1981 Porsche 911 that my dad bought for himself, not for me, 
when I was 16. <laughs> of course, every 16-year-old's like, Dad, thanks for buying a car for me to use. Not so much. Son, it's my kingdom, not yours. When my dad passed away, my mom uh, gave it to me, and I've had it for a lot of years because it was 2002. So I, I happened to, I finally got it out, and I drove it. I was officiating a wedding in Saugatuck. I drove, drove it to the wedding, and uh, just in park, you know, it, it's an outdoor wedding, so the cars you can see. And two different guys go, did you see that 911? And you know what I did? That is mine. <laughs> that is my 911. I thus drove here in my 911. Do you like my kingdom? You think horses are good? Look, it's the 911. Now, isn't that pathetic? You should say, yes, it is. Thank you. Not so strongly, just a little bit of it. Jeez. I want to remind you, we will dismiss ourselves for this because we don't have kingdoms. But think about the fact that you and I have things we want and we want for ourselves. It can be things as simple as our homes or our cars or our boats. It can be our success. We look out and we go, what do I want for my future? It's my success. It can be, what do I look out and I want people to like me. I want them to approve of me. We can look out and say, it's my family. It's my marriage. It's my kids. It's my life and my singleness. It's what legacy I'll have and how well people will do. Do you know how many of us as parents want our children to succeed so we feel better about us? Look, look at my son's success. It is mine. It is the pedigree I have brought to him. It is through my genetics. And you know what most people say to me? Eh, I think it's their wife. So I don't even get that one. We can do this even with our views in culture today. My team must win. My politics must win. My way must win. And what we typically do is we say it must win, and by whatever means it wins, it's okay. In other words, the end justifies the means. Have we not done this more and more through our lives? We used to hold the certain things and we less and less do because honestly it might just take those means to get where we want to get. And we have forgotten and said it has to be this way for me. And make no mistake, we do this with our kids in case you think this is just for us as adults. Think of how we raise our children. What do we tell them? You can do anything you want as long as you go after it and work hard at it and do what it takes. Do you know what? They cannot. If you have a child that runs a 40 in eight seconds, they will not be a professional football player or, or runner. or ba They just won't. They're not that athletic. And even if they are, they might not. And your kid may or may not be as successful as you want them to be. But what do we teach them in an early age? Go and do it yourself. And as long as you work at it, you'll get what you want. Because guess what? The end is justified by the means. It's our way will fight and will win. Now, this is the temptation that Jesus is facing. He's seeing everything, and the devil's showing him, you can have everything. And he came to bring this about. But it's what the devil says that follows is what really throws and puts the mess into it and what we all deal with. The devil says, I will give you all of this. In other words, you can have it. Make no mistake, you can have it. Don't worry about how you get it. In fact, you should get it whatever way you can get it. And I'm going to give you a way to get it. So you have to do it the way I mean. In other words, the means I give you is the only way you're going to get to this end. Because what we're taught, what we live in our own souls, and when we have something we look out and we want, and we say, it's, I've got to have it, we say, I don't know what means it takes, but whatever it takes, I'll do that. Because the end justifies the means. 
That's what we tell ourselves. And it's the point the devil is pushing on, on Jesus. And then he tells the means, if you just bow down and worship me, if you bow down and you call me Savior, if you let go of the very way you were called to be here, instead, I can short circuit this whole thing. Just worship me, just bow down, and guess what? You'll get what you want. You'll get the end you want. You just have to follow the means I'm giving you. Now, I'm willing to bet none of you, or at least most of you, I don't have ever had that kind of mystical moment when the devil says, hey, come on over here. Got this great future for you. You can have whatever you want. You just got to sign here, and you just got to worship me. It'll be worth it. Because we know the devil is from New York. We know that. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, stupid Midwesterners are such idiots. They're nice, but they smack you other places. I'm not going to take this. I'm not even sure that's New York. It sounds more Bostonian. I don't know what's going on. Even when I'm in New York, I'm in Boston. It's just wicked awesome. Anyway, when I was growing up, and, and I'm sure most of you aren't old enough to remember this, we had records back then, so that's its own thing. Although now you're younger, like, hey, I'm going to get vinyl because I'm going back to here where it doesn't sound as good because it's better. It's another conversation. Didn't even get a laugh. You're like, oh, dude, shut up. I love those. Well, when I was growing up, we were talked, taught a lot in the church of the evil and how people would surrender their life to the devil. We were told some of the famous musicians had done that. Like, I remember hearing Paul McCartney and John Lennon sold their souls to the devil. And, like, there was this private meeting they had. They signed on the dotted line, and that's why they've had all the albums they've had. Now, I certainly don't know what's happened, but it kind of gives us this image as if the devil comes up and has a little conversation and offers things, and we either accept or don't. And what I want to do is go, that's the wrong way to think about this. And what I want to do is have you just look at the devil's own journey to becoming the devil because Satan was an angel that was in charge of worship and exalting God. And in Isaiah, it tells us a bit of what changed to bring about the angel falling. And it will give us an image of what it means because this is how he got there, what it might mean for us to actually do this. So this is in Isaiah, and he's speaking of the enemy. He says, you, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You once laid low the nations. You had this great role of exalting God. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. No surprise, by the way, it's a mountain because mountains are places we stand above and look at what we want. And then he says, I will ascend to the top of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. What the enemy wanted, what the devil gave into was wanting to be like God and more than God and have his own what? Kingdoms and ways. That's also the journey of Adam and Eve, in case you don't know it, at the beginning of time. They're told they will rule and reign over the earth, watching over all that's created under God as he is the one they worship. And the devil says, no, no, you can be like him. Just eat of this fruit and your eyes will be opened and you also can ascend and have more. In other words, we worship the devil when we let our ambition become our life when we let what we want for us elevate us above others, when we look and say, I must, I want, it is for me. 
And please make no mistake, this can happen whether it's a spiritual thing or something we would call secular or unspiritual. I mean, I look, you know, I lead a church. What do you think we, we want to have happen? We want you to grow in your faith. We want you to help other people grow in their faith. We want them to become followers of Jesus and surrender. But do you think I could have an ambition to make me look good doing that? You bet. I mean, look what I do with a Porsche. What do you think I do with a bunch of people? You, you understand that ambition is there. It's those things that elevate us. And when we say I want that and that's what I'm going towards, that's how we bow the knee to the enemy. It's when you and I say, whatever it takes, that's the end I want. And the end I want is to be elevated above. The end I want is to prove I'm better than. The end I want is to win over others and rule and reign great or small in a way that I'm honored or we're honored. And you and I have said, it doesn't matter. Get me where I want to go. So I want to be clear. Our bowing the knee is not a momentary I've now decided I'll be here or there. It's when we do and when we say, it doesn't matter how I get there. This is what I want and what I want is for me. And we don't even sit down slowly enough to face what is going on inside of me. Because that's what Jesus did. He let us see into the temptation and the soul of what humanity has by going through it on his own. And, and let me say it this way. How we live shows who we worship. So, so you can say, I worship Jesus. But if you do it in a way, it must be my way. It must go this way. It doesn't matter at what cost. It doesn't matter at whose expense. Or even just we do things because it's a necessary evil to get there. In other words, the end is justified by the means. Then we're not worshiping who God really is. Because how we live shows who we worship. And believe me, this isn't fun to tell you, and it's not fun to think about. I'd like to move on. But I know. I, I, I wish I could say, just raise your hands if you think this isn't a problem for all of us. And it is. Let's be honest. We have lots of ambitions and lots of ways we even justify before, because it's for God that it must be good. You know, I, I've even watched this corporately recently, just with all of the things that are coming down in legislation and verdicts, either people think they won or they lost and they're screaming both ways. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I certainly don't know what should all happen there, but that will never accomplish what God wants it to. Because that's not how God moves. God moves through people that are surrendered and obedient and trusting and loving and not I win, you lose, I lose, you win. It's just a mess we're living in right now and it breaks to see this for me. You and I have to take our ambitions and go, guess what? I will not let that rule my life. I actually want my ambition to die. And that's a temptation. You say, Come on, you can have what you want. Doesn't matter. You don't even have to go through what you'd have to go through. You can have it without the difficulty because the ends justifies the means. No, it doesn't. The means show who it is we follow and who it is we worship. Jesus' response is short and powerful. He said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is wish, written, worship the Lord your God and serve him, what? Only. Israel's struggle that brought about their demise was in part the fact that they would worship Yahweh, they would worship God, but they'd worship him alongside of other gods. 
Yeah, we'll worship God, but also the gods of Baal. Yeah, we'll worship God, but we also want this. Yeah, we'll worship God, but we'll neglect the things God wants for us. And Jesus, when he walks the earth, he says this really simple thing. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. So when you think you can follow the way and the love of God and you can do it your own way or the way you think he should. Have you ever had this? God, you are not doing what should be done. I'm taking over now. I can't believe, or even done it better. Clearly God wants me to take over because he's not doing anything right now. Must be up to me. And we're not even there to go, wait a minute, do I have an ambition or something that's driving me that is moving me in the wrong direction? Because how we live tells us who we worship. And Jesus is going as one God, and it's the only one you can follow and serve. Just one. And he's the only one we want, and he's all we want. Now, I want to be clear, this isn't a momentary intervention. Like, Jesus did it, now he's doing it right the rest of his life. He had the one kind of difficult moment. I want you to understand, this will come again and again. Jesus will keep being tempted to step away and get to what he wants to get to, what God actually wants to do by means outside of the way God's doing it. Let me just give you two simple examples of this. The first one is a time with Peter, who's one of his disciples. If you've been around, we've talked about this particular story. In it, Jesus asks his disciples who he is, and Peter says, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus loves it. Oh, man, this has been revealed to you by God's very presence. I love it. In the next few moments, Jesus then tells him, listen, as part of how the Father's moving, I'm going to suffer and die and rise again. And guess what Peter says? Oh, I'm looking now. That is not the way this is going to go down. Jesus, I will die and keep that from happening. I will fight and you will win because guess what? My ambition is different than yours. Yeah, yeah, I want you to have the kingdom, but I want you to have a kingdom where I get to look good in it too, where I get to be pain-free in it too, where things go well. And so Peter says, no way we'll fight for you. And you know what Jesus calls him? Satan. Now, I always think that's horrible, and, and it is. I mean, you know, hey, how'd your day go today? Well, Jesus called me Satan. You know, it's a good day. But what he's saying is, Peter, you are bowing the knee to ambition, to a means and a way that violates who I am and who the Father is. Stop it. Because I will not bow the knee to that. I will only bow the knee to what the Father has. And what he has is good no matter what comes. That's what he's saying. Let me take you to the bigger moment, though. This is when he's on the cross. When he's on the cross, he's having all sorts of people say all sorts of things to him. <laughs> I still am amazed at that, too. I have no self-control. If people say snarky things to me, man, I am a comeback waiting to happen. I'm just waiting to snark back at him. Like, man, I, and if I don't, I at least text it or something. Like, I got to say something. <laughs> Thank you. Funny guy. I like that. Even if it's not true. The end's just, no, I'm just kidding. So this is what happens. There, these people that are walking by are saying this. You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, which is a whole other scene that he talks about, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you really are the son of God. You know what? Prove it. You want to you be the son of God. You want things to come the way you're going to do it. You come down from the calling the Father's given you. The way you're going to do it, you come down from the surrender. You come down from the suffering you come down because it's not worth it. The ends will justify the means. Come down and show us the way we want you to show us. Make proving it to us your ambition. Now, 
He doesn't do that. But I want you to understand that's the image we need in our minds. Because our ambitions and our struggles are going to call us regularly, hey, hey, come on down from the cross. Hey, you got the ambition. Come down. Open up to the ambition again. Come on down. You don't need to suffer. Come on down. This is not the way it's going to get done. You need to fight. You need to do fill in the blank to get to where you want to go because the ends are justified by the means, but it's not true because how we live shows who we worship. Now, I don't know how you are in this, and I wish it were easier. I'd like to say that I've put my ambitions to death. I have never seen something that can resurrect itself more than my stupid ambitions. Like, they don't even need defibrillation. They just go, oh, sleeping, come on back. I mean, can you understand that these things live in us? The desire to avoid surrender, the desire to come off of our cross, the desire to come off of our surrender, the desire to prove ourselves right, the desire to fight and win calls us, come on down. You want to know why Jesus said take up your cross daily? This is part of why. Because taking it up means you put your ambitions and your needs and your ways on that puppy every day. And I don't want to worry you. Guess you and I are going to mess it up. I've had lots of times I have fought and done things for my ambitions. I am sad and aching over. But that's what the wilderness is for. Oh, God, forgive me and help me. Because I want to live in the place of surrender. I want to live in the shadow of your cross, that I would say your way, your time, whatever comes. I want my ambitions to be put to death. And that's the invitation of God. The invitation that Jesus gives by the way he lives is saying, I will not. And aren't you glad he didn't? (laughs) You and I celebrate forgiveness because he didn't. You and I celebrate New life because he didn't. You and I celebrate the very presence of his spirit in us because he didn't. And I want this to be crystal clear to us. When Jesus died, it looked like an utter failure. And it's changed the world. And what you and I want is changing the world without looking like utter failure. But the way of the cross, it'll look like it. The way of the cross, we'll say, guess what, man, I'm going to stay there. I'm taking my ambition and I'm going to nail it there. I'm taking my ambition and going, i got to die to this thing. I'm taking my ambition and going, Lord, help me. In case you don't know, I am not great at growing and being transformed, but I am great at saying, God, help. And guess what he does? He helps. I want to give you a chance to respond, and I want to say it this way. How reveals who we worship. How we live reveals who we worship. And I don't mean it as an assault to you, but I do mean it as a conviction to you. Can we just begin to look and say, who am I worshiping by how I'm living? What am I fighting about and fighting for? And what are my real motives in this that maybe aren't from God? And then I do want to be optimistic in the midst of the call to surrender. And it's just this. You know he's better than our greatest ambitions? Do you realize if you got everything you want the way you want it, you will still not have what you want. It's elusive. You can have everything you imagined and have it go the way you wanted and you go, oh no, I didn't actually get what I meant to or wanted. Because the only way to get what we want is through a life of deep surrender 
that we join Christ in carrying our cross, in keeping our ambitions there, in letting them die, helping them die, in suffering and saying, guess what? Utter failure doesn't mean utter failure. It means his utter movement and amazing love. So I want to invite you to respond. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I realize we're in different places in the faith journey. And I told you, I believe the Spirit has to lead you in this. So maybe there's some of you here that aren't followers of Jesus. And I'd love to be able to say this. Listen, I'm not offering you an easy life or even a perky life or a life that will be, in the sense, without struggle or sorrow. I'm offering you to surrender your life and you'll find it. Because the God of the universe came to live and suffer and die in obedience to the Father. The Son did this not just to bring life to us, but to call us to live the same way. And this is what I want to tell you if you're searching. It's better than anything you'll do to fight for your own way. So maybe today your journey is letting go. Going, God, this scares me, but I trust you and I want to follow Jesus. Maybe for some of you here... There's a sense that, man, I lived this way one time and I don't anymore. And you've got to recommit. Like, Lord, get me back to the center. Let me stand with you in the wilderness and go, I will not serve another God, only you. And maybe your prayers help me to put to death these things I've put alongside of you or instead of you. And then for others of us, maybe it's growing. Maybe it's growing to say, Lord, help me to ask how I can actually in an ongoing way Put these things back on the cross. Continue to live with them on the cross. Continue to learn to die to the things I want to embrace, whether there's success or failure, what you have, because guess what, God, you're better than anything I have. Maybe it's asking God to show you how much better he is. But in some way, I want to invite you to respond. So just speak to God honestly about it. And then, Lord, I'm asking you'd move. I'm asking for those that don't follow you, they would hear just how much you love them and how much you sacrificed for them, that the very suffering you went through, the very failure you went through, the very dying to what you could have was for us to have you. I pray for an increased understanding of the greatness and how much better you are than what we have in our own ambitions. And Lord, I pray for those of us who've wandered that we'd hear the call back to grow, recommit, reconnect. For those of us who are stagnant, that you'd help us to be longing and kind of recharged to grow. And those who are growing, we simply pray more. So Lord, even as we continue and as we worship, speak. Let this not be the end as we say amen, but the ongoing movement of you as we worship. I pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing to close out our time, a way that we allow space and reflect on who Jesus is that we think the Spirit will continue to speak to you. And as part of that, we'll celebrate communion, which is another way we receive from God. So let's worship together.
second one is the drink. If you didn't, anytime you come in, we always have those so we can celebrate what we call a sacred activity, the sacrament of communion. And we invite any who want to respond to Jesus to participate with us. See, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body given for you. This is my body that I came in the flesh to follow the Father no matter what. I did it for you. We take of his very presence. In the same way Jesus took the cup, he said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. The work he accomplished by staying on the cross, by not fighting his own way, by surrendering, was for you and I to have our sins paid for, to be washed away in the cup reminds us of the salvation we drink of, of his forgiveness. Let's take of the cup. Lord, I'm simply asking for you to continue to reveal yourself, to awaken us to how deeply you love us and what you've done to free us. So continue to speak as we worship together. Let's stand as we close out our time in worship. Now my turn is paid, it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the sun sets free, always oh, wants it out my death. 
inspires people and when we hear a story of surrender and sacrifice we are always inspired because it's written in our hearts that that's how God changes the world and redeems us because it's the way of God and somewhere we see heaven come to earth in places like that and Jesus doesn't just say I did it for you he says now go do what I did go live a life that you're on the cross with your ambitions that you're living dead to the things you want and alive to the things of the Father. I want to give you a blessing before you go, and I want to remind you next Sunday, 10 o'clock. You're going to look and think 11, and you're wrong. And we want to hang out not just with you, but with our 9 o'clock, with our campuses from Muskegon and Coop. We want to be together. So come at 10. Let me have you place your hands out now. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. May you hear his gentle whisper call you to live in a way that worships the Father. And may you discover increasingly that he is better than any ambition in your life. Taking up your cross and following him again and again and again for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.